At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 156. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. This is Richard Ryerson. As always, I'm so appreciative of your support and that you're taking the time to listen to the show. You know, I couldn't do it without you, the supporters out there, the listeners. I'm so thankful that you're tuning in. You know, one of the top requests I've had over this past year is how did I launch this podcast? I get asked almost daily and I get asked for tips and techniques on how to create your podcast. And so, you know, I'm living proof that you can create and launch your own podcast in your spare time. If you don't know my story, this is a side hustle for me. I am a full-time pilot, full-time husband, full-time father of four daughters. And Doing this podcast is my absolute favorite thing to do, and it has transformed my life. 18 months later, this podcast is downloaded in over 145 countries hundreds of thousands of times, and it's afforded me multiple opportunities from partnerships to other employment opportunities. But most importantly, it's created the professional network of my dreams, something I wasn't even thinking about when I started down this road 18 months ago. You know, none of those opportunities would have been possible without the creation of this podcast. And so I'm challenging all of you. If you're interested in creating your own podcast, it's cap- you're capable of doing it. It's there for your grasp. You know, and that's why I'm proud to introduce my latest and my first online product and membership site. It's called The Podcast Roadmap. You can get more information at thepodcastroadmap.com. But basically, it's a tutorial, a membership site where I break it down for you super simple and show you step-by-step how to launch and grow your own professional podcast. I show you exactly how I did it behind the scenes, soup to nuts, no holds barred, show you everything, how I launched Dose of Leadership and the Courageous Leadership Podcast. You'll learn everything it takes to interview your heroes, build a professional network, and even get paid in the process. So the good news is, unlike a lot of other podcast masterminds out there that require you to have a big bag of cash, the podcast roadmap is all about getting up and running with minimal investment and learning how to do it all in your spare time. I'm introducing it to the public for $197, but if you're interested in it and you're listening to the show and because you're a fan of the show, you end up the coupon code PODCAST, you'll get $75 off that $197. So take a look and get more information at thepodcastroadmap.com, and I hope to see you on the inside. Again, thanks for your support, and here's the interview. Well, I'm so excited to have on my show today Dr. Hans Finzel. He's a successful author, speaker, teacher, and leadership mentor. He has a great legacy in leadership as he served as president and CEO of Nonprofit World Venture for 20 years. He and his wife, Donna, recently founded a new ministry, HD Leaders, devoted to training leaders around the globe. Hans is the host of the Leadership Podcast on iTunes, The Leadership Answer Man. Dr. Finzel is the author of eight books, including his bestseller, The Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make. His books have been translated into over 20 foreign language editions. He's a graduate of Columbia International University, Dallas Seminary, and Fuller School of Inter- 
intercultural studies. He can be reached at HansFenzel.com. Hans, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Thanks. Great to be on the show today. Well, we were talking in the pre-interview. I mean, you, I, I know this is going to be a fun interview because you are just as passionate, if not more, about leadership with me. And if you look at your website, you look at your history, um, we are of the same tribe, my friend. So tell us a little bit mm-hmm. more about why you're so passionate about leadership. You know, it's funny. Uh, people ask me all the time the classic question, are leaders born or are they made? And um my answer is, of course, yes. The answer is <laughs> right, yes. Right. And uh, there's no question that I, I know I was born with some leadership gifts. You know, ever since I was a kid, it seemed like I was the leader in my neighborhood. Whether we were doing bad stuff or good stuff, <laughs> I seemed to be the leader. And then I was a Boy Scout, and I was the leader in Scouts. And then, you know, I started working. And no matter what I did, it seemed like I fell into leadership. But but I do think leaders are made just as much as they're born. So as I, you know, went to college, went to seminary, went to grad school, started working and uh, spent many years leading and 20 years as the CEO, I became fascinated with the topic of leadership uh, for several reasons. It seems like there's more bad leadership than good leadership. <laughs> yeah, out there. so true. Have yeah. you noticed that? Definitely, yes. And I always tell people if you do what comes natural, you'll be a poor leader. Uh, because we are naturally sinful people. We're naturally self-centered people. And so natural leadership is very self-centered leadership. So I just, the more I got into leadership, the more I, I was sort of on a quest personally, as a lot of people look to me, I want to be the kind of leader that people want to follow and that I help people and empower them and help them fulfill their dreams. You know, leaders stand in the way. You know, if they're bad leaders, whenever I speak to an audience, I say, how many of you have had a horrible boss that you've worked for. <laughs> yeah, everybody raise 75% their hands. 75% yeah. of the people raise their hands every time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just kind of, the, the older I got, the more I, I started to write about leadership because I just was researching how to be a good leader. So to me, leaders make things happen. Yeah, you know, I think what, what's amazing to me is, and maybe I'm a late bloomer to this, I'm even almost embarrassed to admit it, but how much and it's the word intentionality and it's really come into focus over the last five years for me and just how intentional you have to be about leadership and it never ever stops i think once i started realizing that it was liberating at the same time nothing that okay it's not ever going to be perfect because i think i was always on a quest for some destination but i've i've resigned that it's it's just a thing that never never ceases until the day you check out it's so true. You know, we have to keep working and tweaking our leadership. I like to say the two most important words in any leader's vocabulary is listen and learn. They both start with L. And the day you stop listening and the day you stop learning, that's the day you stop leading. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it's, it's a lifelong journey. I'm, I'm passionately committed. One of my deep core values of my life is lifelong learning. Man, leadership is so complex. So, yeah, we have to just keep working at it and learning. That's kind of how I got into podcasting, uh, just a forum where I can teach yeah. on leadership, you know? Well, it's so easy to understand, but, it, man, it is so challenging to implement. I think for the reasons of that intentionality, the the courage that's required, the authenticity that's required, things that, uh, like you said, I think in, for whatever reason we, we resist those type of common sense traits and requirements, but – I don't know. That's why that's why it seems so difficult for me anyway. It's like we try to be something that we're not. And the moment that you can kind of be authentic with yourself and be comfortable with who you are and it seems to it seems to change. At least it changed for me anyway. 
I love those words, uh, authenticity and vulnerability, yeah. especially young people today. That's the kind of leaders that they want to follow. You know, the old days it was command and control right. and you follow me because it's my position and I have the authority. But, you know, that's not a respectful uh, equation. You know, people want to follow leaders that are not perfect and don't pretend to be perfect. And so if you're it's hard to be a leader, no question about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you're you're in the bullseye or you're the tip of the spear. You know, leaders act and people react. But uh, so it is hard. But I think if you're vulnerable and authentic and you keep learning, people really respect that. Yeah, I agree. In fact, people ask me all the time, Hans, how do I get through to my boss is so closed and he's such a jerk and he just won't listen and how can I, you know, and I said, that's the saddest thing when a leader is arrogant and they're in their position of authority and they don't listen to their troops, you know, they they don't, they have a very low emotional, you know, EQ. Those are the toughest people to follow. Oh, yeah. You know, you talk about in your one of your top selling books is the the mistakes leaders make. What are some of the top ones that you think? It's a question I ask a lot on this show. So, what are your what do you think the biggest mistakes leaders make these days? Well, the biggest mistake I've I've always felt is the top down attitude that I'm on the I'm on the top of this pyramid, and you know the next layer of leaders down they serve me, and then the people at the bottom. You know, those are all the people that serve us. <laughs> right. And I and I'm on the top because I'm the smartest. Right. And therefore I'm the king. You know, when I was a kid, we used to play King of the Mountain. Right. <laughs> and, and, and you know, try to push everybody off and be on the top. That's top down leadership. To me, servant leadership is what I believe in. And it's an inverted pyramid. And really you carry the people on your shoulders. And uh, you're not there because you're the smartest. You're there because whatever reason you got into leadership, but the more you can help everybody else do a good job and fulfill their dreams and their passions, you know, the better your leadership is. So I think the number one mistake is the top-down attitude. What advice would you give to somebody who's just getting into the leadership, you know, arena? They feel like um, it's it's a calling of theirs, and they're they're young, and they've but they have they're full of doubt. What would you tell them? Well, I'd say study leadership and read good books and go to seminars and listen to podcasts. <laughs> Don't do what comes natural because you won't be a good leader if you do what comes natural. Secondly, don't lead as you've been led. That's something else that happens a lot. Yeah. When I was a teenager working in the summers, I used to drive a truck for this refrigeration supply company. I grew up in Alabama in Huntsville and I drew, drove this truck and and this, my boss was Charlie, and Charlie taught me. He wasn't the big boss; he was just my manager. And he said, "Hans, basically, we work whenever the big boss is around. But when he's not around, we just kind of goof off." <laughs> <laughs> that was his leadership teaching as I was this right. young teenager. Well, I grew up in a German home, and we we Germans we really value work. You know, our our bite. You know, work. <laughs> right. And I, my wife always says, I don't have a lazy bone in my body, so. I would work even when the big boss wasn't around. And what do you think Charlie thought about that? Yeah. He didn't like that at all. <laughs> right. But and so I tell people don't lead as you've been led because then you might also make a big mistake because many people have poor role models. So what I would tell that young new leader is read great books on leadership, go to seminars, you know, study, listen to podcasts. Well, and and just make it a lifelong calling. 
to improve your leadership. And thankfully, there is so much great stuff. Oh, like yeah. Your, like your podcast, like my podcast, like all this great wisdom out there. Just become a lifelong learner in leadership. Well, I think for me, it, it just seems what seems to be missing in a lot of it. I, I guess I'm not big into academic ethereal theory and nothing maybe against it, but it just seems like we're missing um, – I mean, I, I just don't think nobody, you didn't invent it, the Marine Corps didn't invent it. It, it. They're just principles that just have existed since the dawn of man. I mean, they really almost are biblical in nature. They are biblical in nature, I think, if you look at it. I mean, and they're there for our taking, but it takes that intentionality, I think. And that's where the hard work comes in because you got to – it takes a daily almost mindset of changing and making them habits, you know, getting rid of some of the bad habits and, and start turning them into good ones, you know, surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals, reading, listening, all those things. And um, Yeah, actually, you bring up a good point, and that's feedback. Um, I don't know if you've gotten into emotional intelligence, yeah. EQ at all, mm -hmm. but that's a great field. And, and it's basically the, the idea is that you need to learn about your blind spots. Yeah. And you need to be open to feedback. And that's, that's scary and can be painful. I've had some painful uh, experiences in my leadership because I ask for feedback and sometimes I get it and it hurts. Yeah. And I'm like, ouch, wow. I'm really coming across that way. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's that's surprising, but you know the best leaders are are vulnerable enough to to allow uh, feedback about how they're doing as a leader. So when I do uh, my annual review of somebody that reports to me, not only am I reviewing them, but one of my questions is, okay, how am I doing as your leader? Yep. What am I doing well, and what do I need to improve at? Yeah, that's so true. I mean, that feedback it can be so painful, but if we don't listen. Or we should always be maniacally conscious of, of how people are perceiving us because the unfortunate reality of life is perception is reality. And, man, that is something you just got to be aware of all the time. How are you coming across? And, you know, because you may – and you could be completely right. But if you're perceived to be a thief, you're a thief, even though you never stole anything in your life, right? And so that's how you got to be so cognizant of, of getting that feedback of how you're coming across, you know? Yeah, that that's actually why I wrote my book, The Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make, because I think you can be 95% really effective, but you've got this 5% mistake, a weakness, blind spot that yeah. neutralizes your whole leadership. So that's why it's it's really important to get feedback on your leadership and to figure out how am I doing uh, as a leader. And we usually in leadership have a lot going for us that we offer, but we have to be careful um, that we don't fall into those traps. You know, one thing I came across, I'm curious about yours because you've been a CEO of uh, for 20 years. And I know when, and I'm certainly more along the lines of a relator. If you, if I did a, a personality test or a Myers-Briggs, I would be more of a relator, almost an introverted style of leadership, which has worked for me. I can go into the other. I can I can maneuver into the other roles when necessary, uh, but I'm more comfortable in that kind of relator style, if that makes sense. And so I've been criticized a lot, of, especially from the from the the old uh, corporate style of that. You know, you need to be a little more um, kind of like command and control. And I resisted that and fought that. But it seems like everywhere I've gone on the corporate side of the house, they wanted me to be beating somebody over the head with a wiffle ball bat to get <laughs> results. And, you know, surprisingly, the Marine Corps is not that way. The Marine Corps is more of, of um, you would think it's the opposite, but there is, um, there's, a, there's a large element of command presence, meaning it's a commanding presence. 
but it's not dictatorial, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Sometimes people think servant leadership is weak right. leadership. Right. And boy, I, I when I teach on servant leadership, I make a real clear point about what it is not. It is not you're the doormat. Right. You do whatever everybody – you you work for other people 24-7. Whatever they want you to do, you do. You know, you're a milk toast, wishy-washy. That's why I love the example of Jesus. He mm-hmm. he washed the disciples' feet. He said, you know, uh, I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. But he wasn't weak. Mm-hmm. He was strong. He was determined. He had an agenda. But he wasn't top-down, heavy-handed. And that's to me, servant leadership is an attitude in your heart more than carrying people on your back. It's an attitude that these people are as valuable to the cause as I am. Right. I happen to be the leader, but I can't fulfill my leadership without these people. We're in this together. Yeah. It's interesting you bring up the, the idea of Jesus. I was talking to somebody about that, and, and I guess that's really what I was getting at when I was bring, telling, giving you those examples is, is, hey, basically the message I was getting in the feedback from my superiors, like that type of servant leadership is weak, yeah. and I just disagreed with them vehemently. And I said, this is I, not the case. Uh, yeah, I, I had that happen uh, <laughs> one time I was in Chicago up on the top of a big building there in downtown. And I had a group of uh, leaders. Uh, we were They were interested in my book, and I was talking about le- servant leadership. And, man, they weren't buying what I was selling. Yeah, They were saying, Hans, you know, you don't get it, man. If we show any kind of weakness, we're going to be just eaten alive. You know, we'll be taken out. we we, we got to be strong. we got to be hard-nosed. Right. And that's the battle. I find I I fight this battle overseas because I spend a lot of time oh, internationally yeah, training yeah. leaders. And you like China is a place oh, right yeah. now that, that I'm focusing on. And oh my gosh, the uh, the dictatorial attitude in a place like China is it's so hard to teach servant leadership. The saving face part of it too. Gosh, yeah. I spent some yep. time in China and I dealt with that all the time. It's just like you know, it's just it was more important to save face than to deal with the authentic truth. You know what I learned in China, in the church, I've been working with the house church movement, which is exploding, you know, it's just so exciting, but nobody wants to be a leader. And I said, why don't you want to be a leader? Well, number one, we don't respect leadership. Wow. But number two, uh, if we step up as a leader, we might screw up and then we will lose face. Yeah. And it's all about saving face. And I just thought, wow, that's a huge challenge to get people to be willing to stand up and be a leader in a culture like that. Yeah, it is. It is. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, going back to the Jesus example, um, you know, look at the fact of when I was just thinking about when you're talking here, when he went to temple, I mean, there was a guy that was kicking butt and taking names, you know, it wasn't, the, <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't about, you know, being passive at that moment. You know what I mean? Doing the right thing sometimes, you I mean, is it, it calls for that. Yeah. You mentioned something a few minutes back about, learning uh, leadership from the Bible. Let, let me just say my belief is we learn um, great leadership principles from natural revelation and special revelation. Special revelation is like the Bible, and I think there's a lot of great leadership teaching yeah. in the Bible. But natural revelation is just the world out there and great leaders that maybe not be spiritual at all. And I think we learn great leadership from both of those places. Yep. And sometimes Christian leaders fall into a trap. They think, all I need to do to be a great leader is to be spiritual and to know my Bible. Then I'm a great leader. <laughs> right. And that's where I say they're missing that natural piece. Uh-huh. 
And, and the best leadership, and that's, again, my passion is to help church and ministry leaders improve their game because often they, they lack that piece outside of spirituality and, and the Bible. It's just good management and leadership principles. Yeah, it definitely is a head and heart game and a little bit of the gut game, too. I think it's coming from those three places, primarily the heart, but you're absolutely right. I think coming from the head. And I think every now and then a little bit of the gut, too, is, is what I think it, it keeps it well-rounded for you. I, I don't, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Absolutely. Totally. Well, what do you think, you know, on the same lines, if you talk about mistakes, but what behavior uh, characteristic or trait do you think derails leaders more often than not? Uh, lack of humility. Yeah. Uh, arrogance, pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, my new book I wrote uh, called The Top Ten Leadership Commandments is all based on uh, Moses. And I've just been fascinated by his leadership style. And the number one reason God chose him is because of his humility. It says in the book of Numbers, he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And I think reluctant leaders sometimes make the best leaders. So to answer yeah. your question, I think one of the biggest problems is arrogance and pride that that really to me people don't like to follow arrogant proud leadership yeah but man we put a we it seems like on the surface the kind of plastic banana bubblegum side of us and the culture side they put a huge emphasis on that type of leader they think that's what leadership is and gosh that drives me crazy Yep. Well, that's our quest, you and me, to to, to wrong that right, <laughs> that's right, and to teach the truth and and to uh, eradicate that false belief that uh, again that uh, leadership is all about top down, heavy handed command yeah. and control. I love that you brought up Moses. I mean, I think a lot of is you know we had the image of Charlton Heston throwing the the tablets down. Yes, and but he really was. Um, he he didn't he thought that I am not worthy of this position. Why you know he did not want this put upon him, did he? No, he and and Exodus chapter three, when God called him at the burning bush, he gave God five excuses. There's a couple of chapters where he just goes through all his excuses why he was and his <laughs> final excuse, the fifth one was what I call the mother of all excuses, after God sort of answered his first four, you know. Uh, nope, they're not going to listen to me. I don't have any credibility. I have no gifting for this. I can't speak. Finally, he just said, just send somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to do it. Yeah. And how many times have I prayed that the prayer of a reluctant leader, just send somebody else, I would have had to fire somebody. I've had to go into a painful meeting or a tough board meeting or, you know, sometimes we have to step up and we don't want to. And he, the funny thing about him that fascinates me with all those excuses he made, God just kept answering them, and he wouldn't give up. And I thought, well, why didn't God just move on? There were so many other people he could choose from in the <laughs> in the leadership pool. Have you ever thought about that? Right. Why did, after all those excuses, I think it was because of his humility. Yeah. The very reluctance and his humility was the key trait that God thought, this guy's going to make it. He's not going to quit. He's going to be a good leader. And he didn't quit. That's what I love about him. For 40 years, he drugged those fickle followers yeah. through the desert, and he didn't quit. Oh, I just love that. What a great example. You know, and if you look about, and you think about all the great leaders that, we, that, that have made a tremendous impact. I mean, George Washington was a reluctant leader. If you remember, if you study history at all, 
and you look about when they nominated him during the Continental Congress, you know, he did not. And even you read his journal that night, he was mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, this <laughs> is not – they have picked the wrong guy, you know. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't he, know he, he was just like, I cannot believe this. I, I am not fit up to this. But he – because of the sense of obligation, the sense of duty – overrode that kind of again thinking outwardly it's not about himself but mm-hmm. it, when he was honest with his feelings and you look at what he wrote that night he says he was like oh my gosh they picked the wrong guy this is not <laughs> <laughs> and look at what how, you know yeah that's i, I find that again uh, reluctant leaders make the best leaders because their motives are right completely you know, different a lot, right. of, a lot yeah. of the wrong motives to get into leadership or power or prestige Ego, yeah, position yeah. pay mm-hmm. you know all these human things, the wrong things, but the right reason to get into leadership is I want to change the world. I want to do some good. I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference. And apparently nobody else is willing to stand up. So I guess it's me. You know, to me, those are the right reasons to get into leadership. You know, Jim Collins encapsulated that whole kind of idea in that level five leadership chapter in Good to Great. I mean, that's, I think, if Absolutely. It, if anybody wants to have a primer on leadership, read. If, you don't have to read the whole book; just read that chapter on level five That's leadership, right. and that kind of summarizes. And everything. I always and I always use that as the proof of servant leadership yeah. from a secular standpoint. Uh, you know, here's Jim Collins talking about after all this research and all these companies. Level five leadership is servant leadership. It's absolutely That's exactly what he's talking about. Yep. And and the, and the leaders aren't the larger than life charismatic. They're a little, I think, as he put it in his book, kind of quirky sometimes. And yeah, that's and, right. Know. Quiet, humble. Yeah, but family, but, family people, right. family man, family. You know, that's that kind of thing. But maniacal about doing the right thing. You know, completely competitive in the right sense. You know. Yep. Yeah. Well, what's next for you? I mean, you, you obviously you're, you got the podcast going. You're you're coaching. You're mentoring. What else? What what's, what else is in the works for Hans Finzel? <laughs> well, at this stage of my life, I I walked away from my career when I turned sixty, uh, and I learned that you can be you can move from passionately in love with a job to being bored with it over a period of years. Mm-hmm. And I this I have this baseball cap made by the Life Is Good people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, life is good. And inside the cap, it says, do what you like, like what you do. And one day I was putting that cap on my head and I I thought, even though I've got this important job, I don't like it anymore. And I'm not doing what I like. And so I quit. It was a painful journey that I went through to follow my heart and follow my passion. But I realized at this stage in my life, what I love most is helping leaders take their leadership to the next level. So that's what I'm doing uh, through speaking, through coaching leaders, mentoring, consulting, leading leadership retreats, writing more books on leadership. I'm I'm just having a blast, and I just love to come alongside leaders and help them improve their game. Well, I love it. I mean, you're definitely, like I said, I knew this was, I said early on in the show that we're definitely the same tribe and uh, I couldn't say it any better than myself. And you're absolutely right. It is a journey that I think more, I wish more people would see and understand because it's, it's almost like, um, and maybe it's just because I'm more attuned and aware, but it does seem like things are just spiraling out of control. And I'm not trying to get political or anything like that, but I mean, just, to, <laughs> just in an overall sense, it just seems like every time I turn around, it's like, where is the common sense and why isn't it common practice? Mm-hmm. And it drives me insane. And the only way to get through this is through common sense principles that have stood the test of time. There's no other way to say it. 
I mean, the answers are right in front of us. Yeah. You know, it's it is sad if you look at the political landscape. Uh, the best leaders don't even enter the fray because nope. they say, you know, it's just not worth it. It's sad. But people are so disappointed with Washington and Wall Street because of yep. the the poor leadership uh, examples we see there. But all I don't I try not to get too negative and yeah, too depressed about it. You know, my thing is I'm just going to spend the rest of my life helping people be good leaders and great leaders. And if you go out there and you're listening and you're in leadership, whether you're in management, you're just getting started, you've been around a long time, you know, just be an example of great leadership. And you will make a difference. That's right. And, you know, and I think the more that you kind of tune out of the, the kind of the, the plastic banana stuff and you start yes. you start going towards, like you said, making real connections with real people, surrounding yourself with like-minded, trying to make a difference and all that. There's a lot of optimism and positivity out there outside of the normal kind of standard medium cho- uh, That's right. channels out there. There's a, so call, much optimism out there. I call CNN constant negative news. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> and and I run into people that just listen to that all the day long and in their cars and at home and I'm just like, you know, you're just you're just not helping your spirit. No. Uh you're not going to you're not going to fix those problems that you hear on that constant negative news. So get around people that inspire you and do some great things and network with people that are positive. That's that's the key. And I really appreciate your podcast and what you're doing because I think it's part of the cause. It's part of our tribe of increasing great leadership. That's what we're all about. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. So what? Um, how can people get in touch with you? I mean, you've got the website, HansFinzel.com. How can yep, people get in touch Hans-Finzel. with you? Yep, uh, Everything I do is on there, the uh, speaking and, you know, coaching, mentoring, consulting, my books. But, yeah, just go to HansFinzel.com and check out the site. If you want to get a hold of me, you can contact me through that website. The other thing I love about your website is you got those five um, free leadership training videos. you got a lot of videos on your site, which is I wish I had as many on there as, as you do, but man, what some great resources, Hans. I mean, good job. Well, on doing thanks. That. And I, yeah, for people that are interested, I put a whole lot of uh, samples of my speaking on my speaking page. So you can get an idea if you're looking for a speaker for a retreat or a conference or um, whatever. Well, great. Hans, thanks for coming on the show. And I'm so glad to have met you. I look forward to staying in touch with you. We need to meet up in August at the uh, the podcast convention. And, and like I said, I'm so glad you came on the show. Stick, uh, Don't hang up yet. We'll talk for a second. All right. I'll stop the recording. But thanks for thanks coming so on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.